0: And we're back with episode 35 of Dog Football Weekly. It's your host Reed with the co-host Russ. And today, you know, Russ, little virtual podcast. You're at your house. I'm at mine. Before we get going today, just want to shout out DS Detailing. That's Daniel Sapp. You know, if you're looking to get a detail done on your car, truck, SUV, whatever, you know, he's the man in the 478. He's the guy to get it done. About as trustworthy as he can get as you can get with a guy. And just big shout-out to him. Thanks for him for being our sponsor for today's episode. Russ, let's jump right into it. You know, been a couple weeks since we've done a podcast. You know, we've been busy. You know, tell me, up to this point, we're six games in. Tell me your immediate reactions to the first six weeks.
1: Well, you know, we started off, you know, obviously slow, um, Last, going going the last game against Kentucky, um, I thought we played a really solid football game. I thought Carson Beck looked more professional in the pocket. I thought we ran the ball the ball well. Defense played well. Um, I mean, okay, I guess not just standard defense, but you know we're. I think we're starting to piece things together as the season progresses, and uh, you know Kentucky was a was a pretty good opponent. No, I mean, not an easy game by any means, but Georgia went in there and took care of business at home. And uh, this week we've got kind of a you know a,
0: a cupcake, if you will, with Vandy. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we're looking to uh, we're we're just looking to get better every week.
0: Um, You know, you mentioned that, you know, get better every week. And we've been sitting here watching this team for, you know, the first six weeks, and everybody's frustrated. Everybody's got something to pick on. Everybody's picking on the offense. Everybody's picking on defense. I mean, the field goal kicker, heck, for the first four weeks, cannot make a kick. I mean, he can't make anything. And then, you know, but they keep getting better. They keep improving. They play a close game at Auburn. And everybody's, you know, oh, what? what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And, you know, they come out against Kentucky, who's a ranked opponent, who has probably the best running back in the SEC, and they just smash them. They dominate. From from the opening snap to the end of that ball game. there was never a doubt about who was the better team in that game, and Georgia showed it. And, you know, people have complained, national media – you know, Big Ten fans, ACC fans, Big 12 fans. You know, Georgia's schedule is weak. Georgia's schedule is weak. Georgia's schedule is weak. And, you know, I'll agree with them. You know, the first six weeks of the season, you know, been kind of a lull, you know, UAB, UT Martin, Ball State, those kind of games. But, Russ, these kind of, you know, weaker opponents to start the year have really set up this team very well. And I think it's helped them so much in helping them, get familiarized with each other, with Mike Bobo's offense, and really gear up and get ready for this second half of the season. Because regardless of whether you think the schedule's weak or not, they still got to play Florida. They got to play Missouri. They got to play Tennessee. They got to play Ole Miss. And, by the way, Georgia Tech is not going to be a walk in the park this year. I mean, it'll I think they'll blow them out. But Georgia Tech is a sleeper team this year that you're going to have to show up and play with.
1: And – uh A lot of our improvements, I feel like one of our main things is uh, we're getting Brock Bowers the ball right now, and that's the way we're going to win games. I I mean, give give Brock Bowers his targets and, you know, throw it to whoever whenever he's not open, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the guy, and he's going to be a first-round draft pick, and if I mean, we have to use our um, weapons to our advantage and run our offense through him.
0: You know, he's – it kind of felt felt like at the beginning of the year, you know, like where's Brock, where's Brock, why is he not getting the ball? You know, he didn't have some great games to start the year. I mean, he's still playing great football, and I think he's the best. If you look at all-around football player, I'm not talking about quarterback or best prospect, but all-around football player, he's the best player in America. And, I agree. you know, and they come out against Auburn and they struggle and they turn the football over and you have a fumble, you have a bad, inter- you have an interception, you know, and Auburn's, you know, staying in the game because they could run the ball well. Our defense had a really off game. And Brock Bowers wins you a football game without Brock Bowers. I don't think Georgia can win at Auburn on the Plains. I don't think they win then. I think they're a five and one team. If Oscar Delp's your starting tight end, and that's not a knock on Oscar Delp because he's going to be a great football player once he starts to get the main target share, but Brock Bowers to this team means so much. I mean, he it's hard to put into words what he means to this offense.
1: What do you what do you think his odds are in the, the Heisman race? I mean, he's. I mean, you said it, he's the best uh, college football player in the nation in your opinion. I mean, what are his odds to win a
0: Heisman as a tight end? I've been looking all day long. And, you know, yesterday, really this whole week, I've been looking at Heisman odds, Heisman odds, you know, betting sites. and Not that I'm gambling any money. I'm under 18. But I really just want to see, you know, what are the odds looking like? Who's favored? And as far as tight ends go, he's having one of the greatest tight end seasons of all time. But the issue is that, you know, as a tight end, you know, he's still not putting up – he's putting up very good receiving numbers, but it's nothing like other world. Like, you know, when Devonta Smith won as a receiver, his numbers were like almost up near 200 yards a game receiving. And Brock's not doing that. Brock's putting up over 100 yards a game, or actually a little less. And, you know, he's got a a good bit of touchdowns. But it's nothing too crazy because at the end of the day, he is a tight end. And at the end of the day, he's on the field every snap. And he's got to block a lot of snaps and – You know he hasn't he didn't really get his targets at the beginning of the season. So on on three that website Brock Bowers is the second highest. I mean he's got the second best odds to win the Heisman. I think it on that site it was Michael Penix, Brock Bowers, Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams. Those were the four. And then but then I look at ESPN and they're the ones that seem to go you know with the most reliable numbers and the they have their own algorithm and everything. And Brock Bauer's sitting in the top ten. The top ten's like Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels. I mean, there's not even – there's. it's all quarterbacks. Drake May, all these guys, Dylan Gabriel, Quinn Ewers, uh, Jordan Travis. I mean, the top ten for them is still with quarterback. So, I don't think he can win a Heisman. I think he can definitely be a finalist. I think he deserves to be a finalist. But – You know, the Heisman is no secret. It's like the NFL MVP. It's a quarterback award, and it's going to go to a quarterback every year unless there's just some spooky, memorable wide receiver season where they just – they're the best – like they're obviously – like Devonta Smith was obviously the Heisman. So that's what I really think on that. I don't think it's possible for him to win because he is a tight end and because – I mean, he's probably going to put up 1,200, 1,300 receiving yards – at the end of the season and probably 10 touchdowns, which is which are fantastic numbers. And that's like – that's on a different level for a college football tight end. But I don't think that's enough to give him the Heisman.
1: What do you think the chances are of Caleb Williams going back-to-back?
0: Um, this is tricky for me. You know, I don't really think the Heisman committee or the guys that vote on it because they have so many people that vote on it. I mean, this, a lot of people vote. I think he's definitely going to get some first-place votes because his numbers, Russ, are ridiculous. I mean, he is a just, I mean, stat machine. And he's really like, that team, you know, they're highly ranked and they're undefeated, but they're not very good outside of him. They have some offensive skill power, and they obviously have, you know, former Georgia Bulldog, Bulldog Bear Alexander, on that defensive line. But they're not great. The defense sucks. I mean, it's probably the worst Power 5 defense I've really watched, besides maybe Colorado, but – You know, watching them play, you know, he is that whole team. And if they can somehow scrap out, you know, scrap away and win a Pac-12 championship, which that league is ridiculously loaded this year from top to bottom, and they can maybe win 10 games or 11 games and sneak away with a Pac-12 title, I think he deserves a Heisman because he is that, you know, he is that good of a football player and he, I mean, he's playing at that high of a level. My – Personal favorite right now, and the guy that I think is going to win it, hopefully, and should win it, is Michael Penix Jr., the Washington quarterback. And if you haven't got a chance to watch him play, hopefully you'll see him Saturday against Oregon, because that's going to be maybe the game of the year. But he's been playing at a different level. I mean, he's on par with Caleb Williams as far as, you know, throwing the ball, his accuracy. He's got probably the best deep ball in college football, which is, you know, very. I mean, you're watching him throw a football is very pretty. You know, he's not as flashy as Caleb. He doesn't move as well as Caleb. But, you know, they're maybe the most complete team in the Pac-12 along with Oregon. And them playing this weekend, you know, he can very well have his Heisman moment. And if they go on to win the Pac-12 and make a playoff, he should be the Heisman. Well,
1: I agree with you there. Um, I don't have too much more on Georgia. I do – I want to talk a little bit about the Braves, unless you've got something else you want to add.
0: I I got um, some stuff we can discuss towards the end, but go on the Braves because I mean, did you watch the game tonight, Russ?
1: I watched a little bit of it while I was eating dinner. Um, just we're film, We're uh, making this after they just lost ten to two to the Phillies. They're down two one in the series. Um. Just kind of a heartbreaking thing right now. I mean, you've got this great team, these I mean, you've got superstars all over the field. Can't hit and it. I, can't, I mean <laughs> we we started off the season so hot and everybody had high expectations and we me and you talked about it on the podcast. We were like, are they peaking at the wrong time? Are they you know, are they hitting right now and not gonna be able to hit later? Me and you were right.
0: I mean, we were right. Spot I mean, on.
1: Yeah, I it's just crazy to me how you can have so many, so much talent and not be able to win games.
0: You know, I. You know, I'm. It's not the biggest letdown in Atlanta sports history. I think that's obviously the twenty eight to three Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. But it's number two, and it's clearly going to be number two if they can't even close out the NLDS against the team that they play. Four times, a, I mean, four series a year, and you're telling me you can beat them all year long, and you can, you know, bully everybody in your division. You can be the best team in baseball, undisputed. Everybody says it. The Braves is the best team. Braves have the best lineup. Braves, from top to bottom, have the best. You know, they can hit the ball. They can hit the ball well. And then you come into a series with Philadelphia, and they shut you out for the first like, I want to say it was 14 innings. I mean, they, I mean, they, they shut you out for a whole game and a half. And you know, you can't do that in the playoffs. You got to get somebody's got to get hot. And Philadelphia, if you've watched, if you watch the game tonight, they got hot. Bryce Harper is hot. Bryce Harper had two home runs tonight, and he's got three in the series, I think. And you know, me and you both said it. We said, you know, it's great that they they won 104 games or however many they won, and that's great. But that doesn't mean anything. What means something is who's holding that trophy at the end. And you can look back two years ago to when they did win a World Series, which was fantastic. They won, I think, 87 games that year. And, you know, they had to play in a wild card game. You know, they barely won their division, and their division was arguably the worst in baseball. I mean, it was there was nobody in that division who wanted to claim that title. And the Braves, you know, they started the year just, just slow and lethargic and just rough. And the game, they played rough. And then towards the end, they picked it up, picked it up. And then they roll in a wild card, win a wild card, win NLDS, you know, smoke the Dodgers in your um, NLCS, and then go in the World Series against a Houston team that was loaded and, you know, kill them in six games. I mean, just dominate. And it's – I mean, I guess this is the reason that you play the games is because you really never know who's going to win. But if you asked me last week before the Braves played the Phillies, I would have been a little nervous that this game – that this series would extend – but even today, I was sure that the Braves were going to win tonight. Coming off maybe the greatest defensive play to end a postseason game ever, or the greatest double play, or rather, I was like, "Oh, they're going to be coming in hot. They're becoming juiced up. You know, coming in, you know, ready to win a ball game." And Philadelphia comes out and just punches you in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, for us, They play Friday night. I don't think they're going to escape Philadelphia. I think they're going to lose Friday night. You know, that I,
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, count that out of the picture for sure.
0: And I said I figured the game the series would go to five games, the full five, because Philadelphia is a you know, great sports town, really loud fans, you know, really tough place to win at, and it's a ballpark that's really easy to get the ball out at. So, you know, it's probably gonna be high scoring games when you go up there. But I figured they'd win tonight. And then, you know, Friday night, you know, maybe kind of lull it to sleep and lose one close or something. And then, you know, bring it back home and win it in Atlanta on Sunday. But, you know, I don't see him doing that. I see him losing Friday night.
1: Yeah, well, we'll find out, I guess. Um,
0: I got one more question for you, Russ. And I this I posted this on Twitter. I got a Twitter poll up right now. Um, okay. So, you know Georgia, they got six games left in the regular season. Who, what is going to be the biggest challenge for them to close out the season? What team? Biggest
1: challenge? We've got who? Hey, we got old Miss, Tennessee, Tennessee Missouri, 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 Florida. I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to go Missouri. Oh, toughest challenge.
0: Oh, I like I like it. Can you tell me why?
1: I don't know that I can tell you why, but I I mean Missouri just seems kinda scary.
0: They're a pretty good football team, Russ and don't, you know they gave they gave us a scare they gave us a scare last year and you know, Jordan had to claw their way back into that one. And this year this team's legit.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I like that pick a lot. I'll tell you mine, I think it's a team that's kinda everybody's just kinda forgetting about, forgetting about, you know, put them on the back burner. You know, I'm worried about Tennessee going into, you know, Knoxville and Nealon Stadium and winning that football game. And I think that, you know, Kirby's going to have the guys ready to go against Missouri because everybody remembers last year. Florida, you know, it's always kind of a scrappy, kind of just ugly football game, but they'll pull that out, hopefully. They should. And then Ole Miss, you know, I feel like. That's just going to be a good football game, but I don't think that's going to be the biggest challenge. I think the biggest challenge is going to be going on the road with 102,000 or is it 109 at Neyland? I don't 107. It's over 100. And dealing with that noise, dealing with that intensity, you know, we saw what a good environment did to them early in the season at Auburn, and who knows? I mean, this I mean, they're going to be a different team by then, and they're going to have grown and gotten miles better than they were against Auburn. But still, that environment's going to affect things, and that environment's going to make it difficult to get stuff done. and Tennessee is not a pushover.
1: Well and you wonder how, how Carson Beck is going to perform in an atmosphere that big, you know
0: And that's a you know it's a historic rivalry, a big moment. All lives are going to be on that game, especially if Tennessee can pull off the unthinkable and beat Bama, which I think is possible because Bama is very beatable. But, you know, that's the one that worries me. But at the same time, they can lose a conference game and then go into Atlanta and win the SC championship and everybody can forget about it. And then they can, you know, go win a playoff. So I'm not going to say they have a game to lose because I don't want them to lose. They won 26 straight, I believe. And, you know, I I wish that would keep going. But, you know, I think there's a lot more hiccups on this schedule towards the end than people realize, and this isn't just a smooth sailing. you know, let's you know turn on the cruise control and let's just ride this one out. You know, it's going to be – for them to win back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, people, you know, doubted them all year long and said they can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. And now, you know, you have one really solid game against Kentucky and everybody's like, oh, you know, we're going back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. We're we'll winning a third win in a row. You know, there's nobody that can stop us. Nobody can beat us. Nobody can beat us. It's not that easy, and it's not going to be easy. And this is going to be Kirby's biggest challenge yet to win three in a row. And if he can pull it off, that'd be—I mean, it'd be—I'm not gonna say a miracle, but it'd be a crazy, just never seen before feat, especially in this modern era. And you yeah. know, I'm just looking for—I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the football that's coming up.
1: It's going to be interesting for sure.
0: Well, that's going to be it for today's episode of Dog Football Weekly. We hope you enjoy.